Can you imagine, though, if Hurley would have told that story to Locke? I know. And this is what's so annoying about all these people not giving Hurley the time of day. Locke, this is your wet dream. Sorry, gross, but Locke would jizz all over that story. Eating again, I see. Prove it. <laughs> I mean, you know what's the problem with this one is? It's mac and cheese. It's a little spicy. I don't have anything to drink. I might regret it. But anyway, yeah, I had a really good barbecue place for lunch today. I had some leftover mac and cheese. Was it city barbecue? We don't have city barbecue out here. Really? But the thing was, I didn't want to eat it while I was watching because you keep yelling at me. For not paying attention to the show. So I had my eyes glued to that TV. Did you or did you not miss the smoke monster? I think that's a fair thing to miss. I think a lot of people would miss that. Did you or did you not miss the close-up shot of Charlie's Virgin Mary statue? Okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is just a shit on Lauren's show. Let me tell you. Hey. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. That is some spicy mac and cheese. Oh my god. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. I arrived home yesterday to four packages. But do you know what else was with my packages? An entire militia of ants. (laughs) So many ants. And they had invaded my packages. One package specifically, which had baked goods inside, Jackie sent me cookie bars. Mm. Uh, They had to go in the trash because the ants had just wrecked them. I, I could not explain to you. Thousands of ants died yesterday. I, yeah, it was really bad. What's been up with you? (laughs) Uh, I recently started reading again. And this is going to sound really lame, but Kate and I went to a local bookstore. Shout out to the Book Loft in Columbus, Ohio. But I saw this book. It's called The Plot. And I kind of thought the font looked like Lost. And I saw the L-O. And that's what drew my attention to it. Drew your attention. Sure. That's what drew my attention to it. And I was like, it's nothing about Lost. But I read the back of it and it sounded interesting. So I bought it. Okay. Yeah. I read four books this week. What? Yeah. One for each package that you got. That's crazy. Well, I ended 2022 and my total book count was 73. Really? Yeah. I read a lot of books. But so far this year, I've only read one. I finished it yesterday. But in my defense, it was about a thousand pages. So it was a long ass book. Yeah, I mean, the four books I read, I think they all averaged about like 320 page-wise. But I'm like, I'm not trying to break any land speed records here. But anyway, welcome back to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren, and it's season two, bitches. That's right, we're covering the season two premiere, Man of Science, Man of Faith. And can I just say, 
with more food in my mouth. Different food this time. This was a great episode. I, I tell you, Jack episodes never miss. That's not why it was great, but okay. <laughs> my thinking in this episode, if I had been watching this live, you know, when it actually aired, and I had just had the summer off or whenever their break is, and I came back and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this show. I think I liked it. And then I watched this episode. I'd be rehooked. I would be in it, invested. I mean, this episode was so suspenseful. At one point, I was watching it with my ears covered. We'll get there. It was really good. It had me, like, sucked in. I'm happy to hear that. How would you summarize the episode? Oh, like if I had to give a synopsis? Quickly grabs the notes. My synopsis would be, Zane, thank you for asking. Despite not being able to hide everyone in the hatch, Locke is still determined to go down. And they find way more than they bargained for. (laughs) So dramatic. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything about uh, what's-his-face's backstory, but uh, parentheses, what's-his-face's backstory. Jack. (laughs) And Sarah. Well, I've got some quick bits. Of course you do. First, this episode was directed by Jack Bender. That's like... He did the finale. I'm starting to actually know that guy's name. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the day that we get a new director. So quick pick number one is actually worth something again. (laughs) Number two, time of death for Mr. Rutherford, the man who was brought in at the same time with Sarah, was 815. Of course it is. Number three, the hatch shaft. Did I say that right? The hatch shaft. That's what you said. Yeah, okay. I don't like it for some reason. It sounds weird. (laughs) The hatch shaft was completely computer generated. Why? Probably just because they didn't have enough space to work the... I don't know. Like, they only showed it... Like, not the scene where, like, Kate's being lowered or anything, but, like, when the camera, like, pans up to see Jack and Locke looking down. Oh. Okay, interesting. Julie Bowen's appearance was logistically difficult as she had just become a series regular on Boston Legal. She, however, was determined to make it work because she was a huge fan of the show. She also asked that she only be told about her character and the scenes that she was in and nothing more. Interesting. And lastly, when Jack walks through the main hall in the hatch, he sees a painting with the number 108 in the center. If you add up all the numbers in Hurley's sequence, it totals 108. It's also an important number going forward. Okay. So how about we get into it? How about we? I'm going to start off by saying that I hate everyone who gets to binge watch this show. Because I remember watching season two's premiere for the first time, seeing this opening shot and just being like, what the fuck is this? Because this is not lost. And it isn't until... The record scratch and the camera goes through the dark tunnel that I'm like, oh, right. That's how season one ended. But anybody who binge watches the show just gets to see it immediately. And they're like, so this is the hatch. Yeah, it was uh, very interesting because it was very not like this show, because I think what they want you to think in the beginning is it's like a flashback. But the vibes of it are not what we've gotten before. And yeah. I, of course, knew it was the hatch because I know about the the beep, beep, you know, like the 
having to enter the code. But I will say it had a very like 70s feel to it. So I actually didn't think it was real time when I was watching it. Real you time. It was like a like a hatch flashback. Yeah, like I thought it was like this is how the hatch came to be. I didn't realize that there was someone in it right now. Like that was a crazy thing to me. So this, the episode starts off with just a black screen and some beeping and then we get the classic opening shot of an eye. We see the computer really quick. We see someone enter the code and pushing the buttons and they really highlight the execute button. And then once the beeping stops, he puts on a record. I don't know if you recognize that music. I mean, I've I've heard the song before. Yeah, like when I sang the song at the end of the last episode that we recorded and you said, why are you singing that song? I did not remember that that <laughs> happened at all. <laughs> this is something that I was going to say in the finale, and I don't remember which episode of the finale it was, but because I am like a little bit familiar with the hatch and the beeping, the doop, doop, you know what I mean? When they're on the raft and they turn on the little like radar thing, Yeah. That beeping was like almost the same. And I kind of, because I already knew that there was going to be beeping in the hatch. When I watched that, I was like, huh, that's kind of like some sneaky little like foreshadowing almost. Is that like, am I reading into it too much? Maybe. But I mean, if you looked at the radar screen, it was like a green screen or a black screen with like green stuff on it, similar to the hatch's computer. And it was similar Beeping. So, I mean, maybe it was done on purpose. It's also possible they just really liked that beeping. To me, it's not like actual foreshadowing. Like, if I were creating this show, it would just be like a fun little thing. Like, they have no idea that this exact sound is going to be like so relevant later on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's examples of that throughout the show. Like, in the pilot, right after they see the trees moving, the monster for the first time, there's like conversations going on in the background when Kate's like getting ready to leave. Uh, Rose says she thinks the monster sounds familiar. And I think it was like Shannon asked her where she's from. And Rose is like, I'm from the Bronx. It's actually because the ticka, ticka, ticka noise that I'm always talking about is a taxi cab receipt that they use in the five bureaus of New York. So like that was just them like kind of poking fun at that's the sound that we used. Oh, that's interesting. Well, the man goes about his day while listening to the music. He works out, he showers, he makes himself a little protein shake. He injects himself with a vaccine. Okay, but is it a vaccine? Because that seemed like something that he did every single day, like part of his routine. You wouldn't inject yourself with a vaccine every day. I thought maybe if he's living underground that it's like vitamins and shit, stuff that is lacking in his diet because he's eating bunker food and doesn't see sunlight. We're not sure if he does it every day. It's possible that it just was the day he needed to do it. But even with a vaccine, like the most you're going to do that, okay, maybe like once a year. It's just there were so many vials in there. And like because the whole sequence was his daily routine, I really feel like that's something that he injects himself with every day. And I think I'm right. Unless you have future knowledge that tells you that you're right and I'm wrong, I'm going to go with I'm right because I think what I said is smart. Fair enough. I do have future knowledge, but I'm not going to say if you're right or wrong. Yeah, thank you. But for now, I'm probably right. Suddenly, the room shakes from what sounds like an explosion. 
and he gets a gun and uses a series of mirrors and telescopes to look down a hallway and up the dark shaft, you see Jack and Locke and you realize this is the inside of the hatch. What was your initial reaction once the whole sequence was done? Like you said, you thought it was a flashback. Now that you know it's present day and there was someone in there, where'd your, where'd your brain go? My brain was all over the place because one, there's someone down there. What the hell? And also the fact that this is like the the vibe of the shaft. I keep saying the word vibe. I'm sorry. But it's very 70s-ish. And I'm saying that it's like an arbitrary statement. But it makes me think that the hatch has existed for a long time. And like, how long has this dude been down there? Now, later information might say, not very long, question mark. I, I really don't know. But how long has this hatch existed? How long has it been manned? I, I'm very intrigued. And why? Why is he down there? I have a lot of questions. Back from the commercial break, the jungle team is still at the hatch, and Hurley is muttering the numbers to himself as the other three look down the shaft. Kate asks what it is, and Jack says it doesn't matter because it's not going to work. They can't get everyone down there before the others arrive. Locke then drops a rock down the shaft, and they hear a puddle maybe 50 feet down. And Locke and Kate immediately start game planning how they're going to get down there. But Jack and Hurley just shut it down. Jack says they need to get back to everyone else. And Kate and Locke ask him to like calm down because he was going about it a little intensely. And then Jack just says, pack it up. They could go down in the morning if they want to, but they need to get back to the caves. And Locke reluctantly agrees before asking why he doesn't want to go down there, which Jack does not answer. Okay. I think in this situation, Jack is right. Like, all those people are waiting on instructions, and the last information they got was, the others are coming for us, and we need to plan. Wait here, and we'll tell you what to do. So... Of course, they need to go back. I don't like the way Jack handled it. Like, he was being really intense about it. And I also think he was being pretty shitty to Locke. Kind of degrading in a way. Talking down to him, for sure. I mean, when even Kate is like, Jack, like, chill. I think, eh. But I do think that Jack was right. And I also still don't like how fixated Locke is. I just think the... The tension between them is so intense. And for what? Like, Locke wants to get down there so badly, and Jack is so resistant to it. I just think they're both very extreme when they just both shouldn't be. Jack has made it clear he doesn't care about Locke. So what what harm does it do to him if he just lets Locke go down the hatch and he just goes back to the caves? Yeah, I really do think it's a control thing for Jack. It's just one of those things where he's like, I don't think we should go down. And I said it and I don't like that. You're not listening to me. Yeah. Also, I didn't think about this until you pointed out that the everyone back at the caves is waiting for instruction. The jungle team's the only people that don't know that the others aren't coming. They are still under the impression that Danielle's warning was real and they take their sweet time getting back to the caves. Their whole plan was to open the hatch and get everyone down it. It has now failed. They have no plan and they just kind of, Walk back to the caves as if there's they're not up against the clock. That is true. Like, they're not very urgent about it. But, I mean, I'm going to say, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think that just because there was no one at the smoke 
I don't think that means that the others aren't coming. We know they're not coming because we just watched them take Walt. And I think Saeed has an inkling of that because we saw that little moment he has later, and I'll talk about that. But I don't, aside from Charlie screaming, there are no others, uh, Danielle made it up. I think in their mind, they're like, well, they, they still could come. Right. And I'm sure a lot of them at the caves think that, but like you said, we'll get there. We get a flashback. First of all, we just got to get this out of the way. Horrible wig. So bad. So bad. bad. Why can't they do wigs? It's not that hard. I I can't do it. I've never, I don't have any fucking like prosthetic or whatever hair and makeup. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. I, I don't know what you're trying to say. Please elaborate. No. I'm going to cut it all out. Do you wear wigs? You would think that costume design and people that like make a TV show could make a convincing wig. You would think this wig, I actually don't think was that bad. The other thing that we might need to ask ourselves, are we judging the wig because of the time period of the hair that it's trying to portray? That could be true. That is not how people wear their hair nowadays. But in the flashback, two people are brought into the ER at a hospital from a car accident. One of them is Sarah, and one of them is a man named Adam Rutherford. They were in a head on Rutherford. Why do I know that name? I was going to ask you. Because, wait, that has to do with Boone somehow. Like, somebody's a Rutherford. Shannon? Shannon Rutherford. Is that her dad? It is. Oh, my God. I didn't catch his name when I was watching it. This is this is a live reaction, folks. It was such a big reaction. She blew out the audio. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was crazy. I didn't even know. Oh, wait, we did know that her dad was dead. Wait, OK, and this is something I was going to ask anyway. I don't I misunderstood who went across the median. Her tire exploded and threw her to the other side of the road. So not Shannon's dad's fault. No. I feel like you can't really blame Sarah. No, I'm not going to. I'm not blaming Sarah. I didn't even know the tire blew. I thought somebody went across the median and I thought it was like. But I did. I thought it was the other person. Yeah. And I I didn't know why. Just a freak accident. That is crazy. I was hoping you'd pick up on that. In fact, I was when I sent you that text, like, hey, like, try to pay attention a little bit. I was watching this scene. and I was like, she doesn't fucking know Shannon's last name. No, I didn't hear the last name in that scene. And I was watching, but I didn't hear it. You know, what you could have done. I am not using subtitles. (laughs) Sarah and Shannon's dad are brought in. Jack comes in. Apparently, he's the only doctor. And apparently, doctors are the only ones that can save his lives. And he has to make a decision. He ultimately chooses to save Sarah and Shannon's dad dies. Because he did tell the nurse or whoever it was, you need to do this to him. And they said, I can't do that. And both sides were like saying like, doctor, we need you to do something, blah, blah, blah. He ultimately goes with Sarah. I think he wanted to save both, but just saved Sarah. And then Adam dies. 
Sarah eventually comes to and says very weakly that she needs to dance at her wedding. Jack is the only one to hear this, says it very coldly, and then just like walks out of the room. This whole scene was very odd to me. Why is there only one doctor available? Okay, maybe, I don't know. On Grey's Anatomy, there's like a bajillion doctors available. Yeah. But he was so cold about the fact that like another person is just dying right next to him. And he just kind of glances over like, oh, that guy's dead. But the other thing is like the guy flatlines, Shannon's dad flatlines for three seconds. And then they just go time of death. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at him. They did say he had chest trauma. Like, so maybe he was literally too jacked up for them to even try resuscitation, but they didn't even do anything. They're just like, Bing. Uh, time of death, 8.15. With how much happened in this episode, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a longer sequence and they had to like chop it up. But you're right. It was just, it was so quick. Yeah. I just don't like, it was weird. And he was so blase about it. And then, which is interesting because it's so difficult with the timeline of Jack's flashbacks. I never know where we are. Sometimes he is so stressed out and he cares so much. And now he's just like, whatever. I think this might be his like emotional attachment to his patient's origin story because with Boone and Charlie just could not let it go. The second Rutherford dies, doesn't really care. And even with Sarah, he was very cold to her most of the episode. Yeah, maybe this is kind of where it, he starts to take it all on, on himself because I just was like, this is not the Jack that we know on Island. Now, did you maybe like like this version of Jack a little more because he wasn't so intense or did it make you appreciate the the Jack that we know now? No, I just wish there was a nice balance. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be nice. Back on the island at the caves, Charlie tells a bunch of the red shirts that no one is coming and Danielle made the whole thing up. Saeed gives Charlie this look, but doesn't say anything. I know what that look means. Firstly, What's that look mean? fuck Charlie. To me, that look is the same thought he had in the finale. He's thinking, Danielle was not wrong. They were coming for the child, the child that's on the raft. And he knows that they have boats because they accessed the beach by water. And he's thinking, those raft people are fucked. I guarantee that Saeed has thought that, but he's like, I'm not going to say that because, well, first of all, we've got sun right here and I'm not going to just put that out there and cause a panic because what's it going to do? We can't help them. Right. Saying right because of your logic, not because you are right, just for clarity's sake. Um, but I am right. Shannon has already lost the dog and she and Saeed go to look for it. That made me so mad. If somebody is trusting you with their dog like everything that she goes on to say but think about that when you don't lose the dog look here's what i'll say do i expect her to keep the dog on a leash at all times no is there really any reason to because it's not like there's traffic where the dog can like run out and whatever and the dog's probably just been exploring the island the whole time but you guys are about to go into a hiding situation you know, were they even going to try to take Vincent down in that hatch? Or were they just going to leave poor Vincent? Remember, Locke said he believes there's another entrance because of the space. 
Okay, fine. I'm going to tell myself they were going to take Vincent. You know who I think would be a really good owner of Vincent? Block. No. Take another guess. Have a hint? No. Danielle. Oh, absolutely. She would be great. <laughs> to have someone to pet. To have someone to touch. <laughs> to talk to. Aw, oh, I think Danielle needs a dog. Let's get Danielle a dog. I'm going to... Uh, Shannon, this episode, other than this one scene where she, like, com- already lost the dog, I really liked Shannon in this episode. We'll get a little further down, but I just want to put that there now because you said you were mad at her. Hurley asks why Locke opened the hatch despite him screaming not to. And Locke says he was just eager to get inside. All of this was to get inside. And Jack says it was also so they could save everyone's lives. And Locke agrees almost like it was an afterthought. And then mockingly, Jack says, maybe it was their destiny. Well, honestly, I was thinking the same thing because I I wrote down the exact quote. Locke said, that's why we came here. And what he's saying is we got the dynamite and we did all this so we can get inside the hatch. But I think that partially, whether he knows it or not, he's saying that's why we came here to this island is to get in this hatch. Like, he is so fixated on this hatch as his destiny. And then Jack goes and says it. I'm like, honestly, I'm on the same page as Jack. I mean, yeah, he basically, on on the the walk back in the last episode, he basically said that, like, all roads lead to the hatch. So, yeah, I don't think he realized what he was saying to Hurley when he was like, oh, this was... Because I don't, I don't... I think he likes to keep his cards close to his vest when it comes to the destiny talk with the exception of Jack, because he, for some reason he's, he's always been of a bit of a straight shooter with Jack when it comes to like the deep talks. Is the expression, keep your cards close to your vest or close to your chest? I feel like they both work. I think they do too, but I, I've always said chest. The expression is vest, but not everyone wears a vest. I'm going to Google it. Cause have I been saying that wrong forever? Oh, they both come up. Well, which one came first? Chest. Did it really? In in the Google search. But I think more people say chest. I think it was vest because like you get all dressed up when you go to a casino or. It's chest. Really? When I searched close to your vest, it says chest. Interesting. Whatever. But I have seen there. Some of these say vest. I think it's chest. What did I say? I don't know. You said vest. <laughs> You said vest, and that's why I started to have like a, an internal crisis because I've never said that or heard that. We're way off track. Anyway, Locke has typically been a straight shooter with Jack when they have these kind of conversations. Yeah, he doesn't like tell him everything, especially the fact that he was in a wheelchair. But like White Rabbit, they talk about the d- destiny and all that on the road back to the hatch. They talk about destiny. He's never really been one to mince words with his whole idea of purpose when he talks to Jack, but everybody else, he speaks in riddles. And I don't think he wants to like tell everyone out up front, like we're on this Island for a reason. Why do you think that he's like that with Jack only just to piss Jack off? I think he sees potential in Jack. I feel like it's because Jack is so the opposite of him in that regard, like science versus faith. And so he's like, I can't even do riddles with this guy. I just have to tell him flat out that I am like 
you know, totally faith driven. And I think a little bit of his, is that he just likes to drive Jack insane. I think that's, I think that's definitely a factor, but two things that always stick out to me early on in the Jack Locke story is Locke was the one who pushed Jack to be the leader. Like everyone wanted Jack to be the leader, but no one was like, you have to be the leader. They were just asking him questions and shit. But Locke was the one who sat down and said, they need a leader. They need you. And then the other thing that sticks out is in the finale, when Jack says he doesn't believe in destiny, Locke says, yes, you do. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, I guess. Searching the jungle, Saeed tries to convince Shannon to go back to the caves, but Shannon says Vincent can't be too far. And he was the one who said no one is out here. Saeed clarifies that they that he said they did not see anyone. And says Vincent will come back. He always does. He's kind of like a community dog at this point. He just kind of is like wandering the camp. Yeah. Shannon says watching him was the only thing anyone has ever asked him to do. And she cannot let something happen to him. Saeed says that she's hungry and exhausted. But Shannon again refuses. Then they immediately spot Vincent. Try to split up to flank him. But Vincent runs off. And then they chase after him. They get separated. Shannon falls to the ground and hears the whispering. And suddenly, Walt, dripping wet, is standing in front of her. He shushes her, whispers something. But then Saeed finds her and Walt is gone. Okay. Lots, lots going on here. I think the first thing that's important to point out is that right before this happens, they make a point of having Saeed say, you're exhausted, you haven't eaten, you know, all this stuff, which is going to put her reality in question. So now we're questioning her. Did she actually see Walt? Is this real? Is this not real? To me, I'm like, it's not real, right? But at the same time, he's dripping with water, but, like, okay, it, it can't be real, right? I think it's not real. Is it even a question? Like, do other people ever consider this to be real? It's a question, the, for sure. Okay. The thing is, he's wet, but, like, okay, sure. But she could be visualizing him wet because maybe she's so worried about him on the raft, she thinks that he's drowning, whatever. But the water is, like, pouring from his mouth, which... That is why I'm like, this is definitely some sort of hallucination, but I don't think it's a hallucination of her own mind. I think it's the island. Right. The same way Ghost Daddy was put there by the island. The other question, what, what, what? I will point out with your, is this real? She's thinking about Walt drowning or something. Walt is the only one that's not dripping wet with the raft crew because he's on a boat. Yes, and that's why the water to me is like, she's afraid that something went wrong with him. But anyway, my question is, because you know I don't use subtitles, was the whispering just gibberish or what did he actually whisper something? He actually said something backwards. What? And, and no one's supposed to know that, right? That's just like a fan thing. I think they said it, like the producers and stuff. Because if you if you record what he says and play it backwards, he says, don't press button, button bad. Should I know that? Is that kind of like a spoiler? No, remember, he was afraid of the hatch. Yeah, but like, 
no one knows that. Like a normal person watching the show doesn't know that, right? Right. I mean, like the average fan isn't going to like dissect every bit of audio. I will say everything I know, that is not a spoiler. Tell me why I'm like creeped out right now. Like I have chills a little bit. I like the heebie-jeebies from that. When he popped up and then starts like whispering and, and like it's all the whispers and then you hear Shannon. And then he's right there. Oh my God. I mean, that was crazy. And now that you're telling me what he said, I'm like, I'm like really creeped out. But anyway, and then obviously Saeed pops up and you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm pretty creeped out. I do feel like he obviously wasn't actually there, but she heard the whispers and like, Said has heard the whispers before and Sawyer has heard the whispers and I'm like, are the whispers a hallucination or are there a bunch of people there that they just can't see? Like I've said this before, people living on this island, it could be kind of like a a tribal type of thing. And maybe they're just like one with the land and they're just blending in. You know what I mean? Danielle says that the, she has never she doesn't see the others, but she hears them whispering. We know that Walt is supposedly with the others, and we hear whispering, and we see Walt. So I don't know. There's a lot of doubt in my mind right now. <laughs> Editing Zane here. Obviously, I do know, but I don't want her to know what I know, you know? I don't know at all because I don't think that they were actually there, that anybody was actually there. Because if they if the others are there hiding in the trees, they're not just going to let their captive, their fresh captive, just stand right in front of her. And then obviously he disappears really quickly. Like, to me, that's clearly a hallucination. It's just, oh, I just have so many questions. Like, I need more. On the way back from the hatch, Kate asks Locke why he wants to get into the hatch so bad. And then Locke corrects her grammar. Loved it. Honestly, no, I almost said it. I almost said point, but just just point for like, you go, guy. Smarty of the week. Yeah. He asks if Jack thinks he's crazy, and Kate points out all the reasons why he shouldn't want to go into the hatch. Ooh, you know what I failed to point out? I just now realized. The hatch door has the word quarantine written on it. Forgot to point that out. That it does. That is one of the reasons she says that he should not want to go down there. Locke says the damage is done. And if if Jack thinks he is crazy, so be it. But then he asks Kate if she saw the smoke monster too. At least someone did. Shut up. (laughs) Okay, I'm thinking this right now. Quarantine. Does this have anything to do with the sickness that Danielle was talking about? Maybe. Maybe. Are you down with the sickness? I tried to get up, but I'm down with the sickness. She confirms that she saw the monster too, and he says that they are both crazy, and then asks, I wonder what Jack thinks he saw. Everything that happens on this island, it's fun to just think like, oh, Jack is like bending over backwards to rationalize shit. Like, how do you explain a pillar of smoke? Did Jack see it or was he running? He saw it because one, it was pulling Locke. And two, after they threw the dynamite, it came out of the ground. Actually, Locke, no, actually Jack and Kate 
saw it before it even attacked. It kind of like scattered across the jungle really quickly. And they were like, the fuck was that? How does smoke, how does a gaseous substance hold someone and pull them? How does a paraplegic suddenly walk after a plane crash? Touche. Are you on the same island as me? (laughs) Hurley manages to get a laugh out of Jack, and Jack asks why the numbers are bad. Hurley says it's a long story, and Jack says he has time. All right, my instant reaction. Finally, finally somebody wants to listen to Hurley's story. Proceed, because I have follow-up thoughts. Hugo tells the story about Lenny, the numbers, the lottery, the curse, how the hash has the numbers on the side. But all Jack took away from it was that Hurley was in a mental hospital. And right back down in the gutter goes Jack. I was happy for him. Now I'm pissed at him again. If somebody tells me this story, somebody says, I was in a psych ward with a guy repeating these numbers. I use these numbers to win the lottery. And then all this shit starts happening to me. And now those same numbers are on a hatch on an island that my plane crashed onto. That is the most interesting story I have ever heard. And I am now invested. I am now Hurley's best friend. I'm not leaving his side. I want to know everything. I'm going to investigate these numbers with you. We are not sleeping until we figure this out. That is crazy. How in the world is that Jack's reaction? Well, I mean, he's a doctor. I, I can't I can't excuse it. Can no. you imagine, though, if Hurley would have told that story to Locke? I know. And this is what's so annoying about all these people not giving Hurley the time of day. Locke, this is your wet dream. Sorry, gross, but Locke would jizz all over that story. (laughs) Hurley immediately says he's not crazy. And Jack says they're just numbers. And Hurley says Jack's bedside manner sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic point. In the next flashback, we get to see some of that bedside manner on full display. When Sarah comes to and asks about Rutherford, Jack very coldly says he died. And then when Sarah says she can't feel anything, Jack just says her back is broken. She needs surgery. Chances are she's not going to be able to walk or feel anything again. Lovely. Then we have a John Terry sighting as Christian pulls him into the hall and Jack immediately asks what he did wrong. And Christian says, try handing out some hope. Maybe focus on the 1% of a chance instead of the 99% chance. And Jack says, it's false hope. And Christian says, it's still hope. Thoughts on Christian? This was like a nice father-son moment. If you had only this, you would think, wow, great dad. This is what I meant when I said that they were like, honestly, I think I think the writers thought John Terry was very charismatic and wanted to paint him in a more likable image. Because like the first like two episodes, we get Christian, real piece of shit. But every appearance afterwards has been pretty good. So you think that they just had to make him like an absolute monster so that people would hate him? Because they thought if we make him just a mini monster, then people won't even hate him because he's so charismatic. Is that what you're saying? I think they started off with the idea that like Christian and Jack have a terrible relationship and they made him the worst. Right. 
it is possible that they were like, we're going to have to make him the absolute worst because John Terry is amazing. But I also think it was more just like early on our image of Jack was supposed to be Jack is absolute good. Christian is absolute evil. But as time goes on, we see that that is clearly not the case. Yeah. And I think it, it adds such a complexity to their relationship. If it's not all bad, it makes it even harder on Jack. Like when he does have those really good moments with his dad and then those bad moments, it makes the bad moments like that much worse. Mm -hmm. And it makes his death so much worse. It's way easier to just forget about someone, move on, if it was just a completely bad relationship. And you see later in their relationship, they're just cold to each other. But now as we go further and further back, Christian is like, trying and Jack is just not receptive. And you start to wonder like, was Christian always like that? Like, obviously we saw his childhood, but like, I'm not saying it's right. It was a different era. Like that's just like childhood back in those days was rough because of parents like that. But like, as he was older, Christian has tried to be a little more warm to him and Jack is just not receptive of it. In the caves, despite Saeed's pleading, Shannon tells everyone about Walt and the whispering that she heard in the jungle, and she causes a panic. She says she thinks it was the others, and Sun asks if something happened to the raft. Saeed tries to calm her down, but Shannon says that she knows what she saw, and then the jungle team returns. I'm going to ask this question because they kind of just never mention the raft again. Are you worried about them right now, just floating in the ocean? <laughs> Yes, the whole time. And you know, honestly, why I thought about it is because as I was debating how to do the week, I was like, really wish I could throw Sawyer into this mix. Uh, yeah, the whole time I was like, are we going to see anything about them? Are we going to get any information on what's going on with them? Nothing. Well, you, you predicted for a while that they were all going to die. <laughs> no, I, I'm like, I'm saying this right now. They're alive. I, I know they're alive. All of them? The only one that I would say, yeah, I do think all of them, because I feel like you've got a storyline with Jin and Sun, and you've got a storyline with Sawyer and Kate, and I just feel like there has to be a storyline of Michael looking for Walt. Like, they wouldn't kill him. Like, that's a, that's a big thing. If you kill Michael, then I just feel like there is no search for Walt, and that's such a, like, that would make no sense to me. So I think they're all alive. You have sound logic. I know. Jack tells everyone about the hatch, which just like one sentence. Oh, we, they found a hatch. Also, we have an idea of where it is now. It's about a half mile away. But it was like the big secret. And then he just told everyone. <laughs> I think like the big secret was it was a secret from the core people. But the all the other people, it's not, who cares? Well, I mean, the core people are, you could also, the, you could argue that Sun, Claire, Shannon, Charlie... Like, they're main characters, and they didn't know. They're main characters, but they're not core contributors. They're the B team. Yeah. You got the A team, you got the B team, and then you got the red shirts. And then the most important group, Vincent. Okay. Jack talks about the hatch, the journey to open it, how it's not going to keep them safe because they can't get into it. And then Charlie asks about arts, and he says... He did not make it. Shannon asks if they saw any of the others. And again, Charlie's back on his bullshit. There are no others. 
once again, this is your weekly reminder, Charlie killed the others, or one of them. How does he sit there and say, he got kidnapped by one of them for fuck's sake? I do. I cannot stand him right now. Like, they were in that writing room and they were like, how can we make the most annoying character ever to be seen on TV? That's not true, Joffrey. <laughs> well, fighting breaks out amongst the caves and Jack calms everyone down by saying they're going to stay together all night with lookouts and guns. And they they say they have four guns, but they technically have five because they had the five from the case and then Locke found one in the jungle. Yeah, but... I'm pretty sure Jack just knows, like, Locke is not. Yeah. Locke does his own thing, and his gun does his own thing. Well, and... Saeed has that gun. That's a good point. But does Jack even know about that gun? I feel like Saeed would have told him. I feel like maybe not. Yeah. It just hasn't come up yet. They've yeah. been busy. <laughs> We've been very... Locke got shot in the head. The others are coming. Michael was poisoned. Jack promises that they will all watch the sunrise together. And then immediately Locke grabs Cable and says, I'm going to the hatch. Jack asks him if that's the smartest thing to do. And Locke says no. And Jack is right to say stay put. But he's tired of waiting and leaves. And that's his right. Yeah. It's his island given right. Okay. Don't say okay when you don't like what I said. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up on that. (laughs) Kate asks if Jack actually believes that everything is going to be okay. And Jack says yes. Kate says it's unlike him to be optimistic and then compliments his speech and being someone for them to count on. And she says, if they weren't there or he wasn't there, dot, dot, dot. Which makes me ask thoughts on Jack's leadership in this episode. Good. Overall thoughts on Jack. It's kind of been like back and forth with, uh, oh, he did good here. He didn't handle it. Why didn't you listen to Hurley? I mean, overall thoughts on Jack, like in this episode or? Yeah, this episode. uh, Mostly positive with like just some bits of like, oh, that was so Jack of you. Yeah. But I'd say mostly positive. She then tells Jack that she's going to go to the hatch and that she knows that he needs to stay for the rest of the group. But Locke can't go alone. He might get hurt. And then uses his own words against him. Live together, die alone. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Kate going to the hatch? I don't know. I guess it's on brand for her. Like, she's always up for any adventure type of thing. I Kind of surprised me, actually, but I don't know. I don't have many thoughts on it. If you were in, in her position and Locke just went to the hatch by himself, would you go? I asked myself this question, and I wondered if you would ask me, When I was watching Kate being lowered into the hatch, I'm jumping ahead. I asked myself, would I go down in the hatch? No, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't follow Locke. I'd stay in the caves. Yeah, I don't blame you. I would maybe at least wait till daylight and see if we can get some sun to go down that shaft. I'm kind of afraid of the dark. And by the dark, I mean the unknown. You have no idea what you're dropping yourself down into. So that's going to be a no for me, dog. In the next flashback, Jack tells Sarah's fiancé about how long the surgery will take. And the fiancé is kind of in shock and just starts talking about wedding details. Jack tries to have some bedside manner and just, like, asks about the wedding. And it's eight. 
months away. Jack says that Sarah hopefully should be fully recovered by then. And the fiance is confused on what recovery means. And Jack explains that there will be ongoing physical therapy. The fiance asks if she'll be able to have sex. Make love. (laughs) And Jack tells him that there's a chance that she is going to need professional care for the rest of her life. Missing the point, he asks if she will need help going to the bathroom. Douche of the week, bus show. I think that what this does for Jack, because this is what I think is like the turning point for him in his mission to save her. It humanized her. He was like, she went from being a just a patient that he had to take care of, you know, or like that he had to operate on to like, he kind of saw the rest of her life. He saw past this surgery. He saw she is going to get out of the surgery and her fiance has either left her or is going to be the worst support system ever. And this is like a huge traumatic event for her. And like this guy sucks dick. So I think that was kind of, you know, I'm not saying anything revolutionary. I'm just saying it. Yeah. Quick tangent. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, I was severely sick and ruined Christmas. Which, if you haven't figured it out, all those TikToks we've been promising, that is the reason why they don't exist. But Kate took me to the ER, and I, while explaining to the nurse and the doctor that I was extremely dehydrated and I can't stop throwing up, was loud and shitting my pants. I was loudly throwing up. And Kate sat by my side the entire time, never made fun of me was very supportive. She held a drink for me because she knew that I wanted to drink it so bad that I would just eventually throw it back up. And she gave it to me every couple of minutes so I could sip on it. And it wasn't until I was fully recovered that she started making fun of me for everything that happened. So today when she sent me a TikTok that basically said, everyone uses movie romance to determine if they could marry someone, but would you take that person to get a colonoscopy. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I was in the the room with you when you scream vomited. (laughs) I am a keeper. That is accurate. And I can say that I had the exact same experience when I had food poisoning. I was so sick. And let me be very clear. Andrew was making fun of me and it was because I ate expired eggs. I did it to myself. But it's because we've had this ongoing argument. I say eggs don't expire. He says, yes, of course eggs expire. I say, no, they don't. They're fine. Eggs Lauren, they go bad. <laughs> yeah, they went bad right up inside of me. <laughs> but anyway, I called him into the bedroom because I was so sick. I just like didn't, I like, I called him for no reason. I was just like, I just feel horrible. I just want you to be in here. And as soon as he got in there, I threw up right in front of him. <laughs> and then I just handed in the bucket and I said, can you clean that out for me? And then he proceeded to do that for me all night, just clean my puke bucket. And around the third round, he said, uh, this is probably not a good time to tell you that I'm a sympathetic puker. <laughs> just kept throwing up in front of him and handing him the bucket. And that's, I, I knew he was a keeper. Now I, I did already know but but I super knew. It's funny. We're talking about support systems and like 
Heaven, that's the fiance's name, by the way, being a terrible support system. It makes me think of that story that friend of the podcast, Devin, likes to tell about when she broke her ankle visiting you in college. (laughs) And like at the end of the day, after going to the hospital, after everything, (laughs) following you up a flight of stairs, ankle broken on crutches and you saying, hurry up, Devin. (laughs) She said she cried. I <laughs> there is some missing context here. The context is <laughs> that we bought our dinner and we brought the dinner back to my dorm room, but then we decided we wanted to go get smoothies. So we were walking to go get smoothies and we had left the dinner up in my dorm room. And that's when Devin tripped in a hole and broke her ankle. And then she wanted to go to the hospital so I took her to the hospital and it took six hours at the hospital and all they said was it sprained and they gave her an air cast and then they put her on some crutches and they sent her home well oh no we had a wheelchair because we had gotten a wheelchair from like the dorm people when it happened so we had a wheelchair and then we got back past midnight so late that the bottom door that is like handicap accessible was locked and even with my buck id i could not get in the store well i lived in moral tower and the main entrance is actually on the third floor so you have to go up all these steps so devin was trying to like backwards scoot her way up all these steps and the part that that is important to us Okay, for context, I have a friend visiting who just walked into the frame of the camera and scared the shit out of Lauren. <laughs> you scared the shit out of her. so sweaty. Lauren, you blew up the audio. I can't hear a word you say. For some reason, I'm looking and it's you, but I thought she was behind me. I... It was in my house. <laughs> All right, maybe we should move on. <laughs> no, the, the, the point I was trying to make. Oh my god, the point I was trying to make is that I was hangry, and that's why I was getting mean to her. Is because I was so hungry, I hadn't eaten because we never ate our dinner. It was like one a.m. and I never had dinner. And I have for, I have apologized to her a million times for being a bitch to her when she broke her ankle. I'm sorry again, Devin. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but I am she, sorry. She said once season one is completely out, she's going to binge it. That's actually not true because I was just talking to her mother and Jackie told me that Jackie had said to Devin, oh, I really need to start listening to the podcast again. And Devin said, don't waste your time. Well, I'll see her on trivia on Tuesday and I'm going to call her ass out. Yeah, you should. Okay, I'm sorry. No longer friend of the podcast. That scared the shit out of me. My life just flashed before my eyes. Well, speaking of your life flashing before your eyes, (laughs) Jack goes into the OR and Sarah tells him to come close so she can tell a secret. He leans down. She tells him it's okay. She knows she will not be dancing at at her wedding but he is invited. Jack takes a moment and then says, I'm going to fix you. 
right before she goes under. And all of his team just stares at him in shock. What was your reaction to his promise? My uh, honest first reaction was um, she's not even going to remember that he said that. <laughs> like she was just slipping under. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like surprised because like I've seen the other. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like we really lose out on the dramatics of that scene because we know that she obviously can walk again. Yeah, but I think what it's replaced with is just like the not this scene, but the next one. We'll get there. I'll save this thought. At the hatch, Kate finds Locke getting ready to go down. And she says that she thought he would be halfway down by now. And Locke says, I was waiting for you. The plan is to lower her down since she's lighter and smaller. She first climbs down the ladder with the flashlight and Locke starts loading her down with the cable. The tree that they're using gives in and Kate's just start starts free falling down the hatch and Locke catches the cable and stops her. Hands are bleeding. His hands look nasty. Mm-hmm. Nasty. I wish they had rope. I don't like that they're just using a bunch of wire. Yeah. He asks if she's okay. She dropped the flashlight. And before Kate can even finish saying maybe we should stop, Locke just starts lowering her, lowering her again, which was funny. Scared, Kate starts to count to five. Nice little callback. Mm-hmm. And she hears something and screams to stop. She says that she thinks something is down there when the light from before turns on and she just disappears. That was intense. That was very intense. Imagine how scary it would be to be being lowered down into like the unknown when the day, well, I guess it's the same day, just earlier that day, you saw a fucking cloud of smoke rip someone down a hole. And Arts blew up. <laughs> yeah, but that's not like Arts blew up because he was holding dynamite. Like that's not scary. That's just holding like, dynamite from the pirate ship in the middle of the jungle. Okay, but I'm pretty sure my smoke thing is much. Your more, smoke thing is more accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, really intense. When Locke pulls the cable up and the light turns off, Kate is gone. Back at the caves, Hurley asks if Jack is actually going back. And what was all that about waiting until tomorrow and watching the sunrise? Jack says he changed his mind. When he arrives at the hatch, there's obviously no sign of Kate, but there's also no sign of Locke. He grabs the shirt, wraps it around his hands, and repels down the shaft with the cable. Or at least I think he repels. It kind of just like made it look like he dropped dramatically. But it went to flashback. Jack is doing a tour to... Tour to stare, I think is how it's pronounced. No idea. Dumb shit. I don't run. <laughs> Which, for anyone that doesn't know and hasn't seen the episode in a while, he's running all the stairs in the section of a stadium. And he gets competitive with a man alongside him. He falls and twists his ankle. This is a very Jack thing to do. Just random stranger also running. I will be faster. He initially declines help from the stranger who eventually determines that he didn't sprain it, but he's not going to be able to catch him. Jack says he wasn't trying to catch him, and the stranger doesn't buy it. Jack asks what he knows about sprains, and we learn that he was almost a doctor, and Jack says it's a small world. 
They share some water, and the stranger asks why he was running like the devil was chasing him before sharing that he's training for a race around the world. Jack says that he's trying to work something out, and the stranger determines it's a girl, or at least a girl patient. Jack tells him about the promise that he made her and how he couldn't fix her, but the stranger asks, what if he did fix her? Jack says that that would require a miracle, and the stranger asks if he does not believe in miracles. Jack says no. The stranger tells him that he needs to keep his leg elevated, says it was a nice chat, and introduces himself as Desmond before saying he'll see him another life and leaving. What do you think about this mysterious man before, later? Handsome. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Enough to be hottie of the week? I considered it. Really? Yeah. The way he said, like, you need to lift it up, and that, like, dramatic pause, I always think, like, what does he mean? Yeah, I didn't... I thought he was referring to the patient, Sarah. I was like... Or, like, a spirit or something. Yeah, I was like, what? But... Uh, yeah, the whole thing was interesting. I don't know. I didn't really think much of it at the time. Jack reaches the bottom of the hatch and grabs the flashlight and his gun. Looking around, we see pipes, someone's hiking boots, lights, a mural with the numbers on it, and a magnetic wall that pulls the key around his neck towards it. And then one of the mirrors move... And the song from before comes back on and a bright light fills the room. Jack hides in a room with a computer in the center and a bunch of machines. And it kind of looks like a little biosphere. And then Jack walks up to the computer. And before he can touch it, the music cuts out and Locke tells him not to do that. Jack then points the gun at Locke and asks what happened to Kate when suddenly a gun is at Locke's head from behind the wall. Jack was so calm. To, like, the music coming on, the lights going, like, really calm. Too calm. It was weird. The magnet. Remember when I said that this island was one giant magnet and that's why the plane crashed? I'm doubling down on that shit. You're doubling down? Yeah, I'm doubling down. You want to put a little money on it? I don't have any money. How much money? No, wait! The same shit that Andrew does. Andrew always wants to bet on stuff that he knows or can control. You've seen the show. Of course, I'm not going to bet with you on it. Can you elaborate? Now that you have a little more information, you know that this wall has a magnet, apparently. Do you, does your theory evolve at all? Or are you just saying magnets? Uh, magnets. Okay. I just think that the this hatch has something to do with it. But maybe it's like the control center for the magnet. And maybe... <laughs> Something went awry, and that's why the plane crashed. I, every t- I was listening to that episode recently, and I just picture, like, a doofenshmirtz innator that's just, like, a big magnet that's just pointed at the sky. <laughs> yep, that's it. What did you think about the fact that Jack point a gun at Locke? Surprised it hasn't happened sooner. What do you think drove him to do it now? threat of Kate being in danger and it being Locke's fault in Jack's mind. Jack didn't know that there was someone else down there. All he knows is that a big light turned on and some music turned on. For all he knows, Kate's just in another room. He just quickly pointed that gun. I feel like it's like he can kind of read the atmosphere. Something is not right here. Locke shows up. He was calling for them. No one's answering. 
Locke shows up and I feel like it's just, you can just feel the tension in the air. Something is not right. And Kate's not there. We get one final flashback. Sarah comes to and asks if she's alive and Jack confirms. She then says that Jack smells terribly. And Jack says that he did a tour de stade and came back to check on her. Sarah asks why he did that. And he just says that he's intense, which, yeah. Yeah, Jack is a very intense person. She asks if he finished and he says that he got hurt. And she's like, that sucks, man. Then she asks about Kevin and we learn he's not there. But Sarah's, you know, she's sure that he's going to come back. But did not say it very convincingly. Mm -mm. She knows he's a prick. Douche of the week, even. Some might say. Jack tells her that he is sorry, but he was unable to repair the damage to her spine and starts to cry. Sarah asks if he is screwing with her and Jack says no. And then she asks why she can wiggle her toes. Jack starts asking her if she can feel this and if she can feel that. And it's a yes every time. And then they laugh and they cry. It's a pretty sweet moment. Like, honestly, I kind of get why you would marry someone after that. Yeah. It's a really intense moment to have together. And it was intense for both of them. Obvious reasons for her. But for him, it's like he's seems like he's never really cared about a patient before. But he was like very invested in the fact that you know, he was able to do that. I think it like broke something in him. It is kind of weird to think that that moment happened while she was still engaged. <laughs> yeah, but there was nothing romantic about it. Yeah. It just was like an it was intense a, a bonding moment. moment. Yeah. I also, in Do No Harm, I asked you what you thought of their chemistry and you didn't really feel it. Did this episode do anything for you with them? I'm not going to say chemistry. I just get it. Like I get I, I guess I just, I understand why a connection would form from this, but I, I wouldn't say romantic chemistry. I did find Sarah to be like funny. Like she was like pretty good spirits about everything, you know, but no, I still don't see romantic chemistry. I really like Sarah. I, I don't know how much of it is writing and how much of it is just a, an incredible performance by Julie Bowen. But then again, you know, she's just amazing. <laughs> In the last scene, the Hatchman says if Jack moves, he will kill Locke, then tells Jack to put the gun down. Jack asks where Kate is again, and Locke says that she's fine. Jack starts screaming, and then the man fires his gun into the vent. The man asks if he wants Locke to die and tells him to put it down again. Then Jack asks Locke if this is his destiny and if all roads lead here. The man gets behind Locke and tells him he will blow his damn head off, brother. But Jack recognizes the brother and the voice. And when he shows his face, Jack realizes it's Desmond. And that is how the episode ends. That was pretty crazy. I thought Desmond was going on a race around the world. How did he end up in this hatch? Well, the island is on the world. Shut up. You know, it would be really freaky if any random stranger that you met was in that hatch, but the fact that it was the random stranger you met that told you to believe in miracles right before your ex-wife was able to walk again. And then he said, see you in another life, brother. What? And you know what I want Jack to do right now? 
I want Jack to climb his ass out of this hatch and go up to Hurley and go, you might be onto something. <laughs> I want to hear more about these numbers. He's just like, excuse me a minute. <laughs> I need to go talk to a man about some numbers. Do you have a theory on why Desmond is in the hatch? Not even a little bit. Where is Kate? Don't know. Because the way that like she got ripped down made it seem like she was like grabbed, you know, against her will. So I think maybe she's being held. That That's what I'm going to say. I think that she's being held. But Locke seemed to be like, no, it's fine, man. Like, it's fine. As if he knows something. But... He also could have just been trying to get Jack to calm down, considering he had a gun pointed at his head. Yeah, maybe. I think she's probably being held somewhere. That's what I'm going to go with. What are your first impressions about the hatch? And what questions do you have about it? The hatch seems to be pretty livable. Questions would be all the questions. (laughs) Is it just Desmond? Like, does he have a partner down there? Uh, How long has he been down there? Why is he down there? What is he going to tell us about the code? Uh, Anything else? I have no idea. Lots of questions. Why is it quarantine? What's up with the magnet? What's up with the button? All that. What was the name of this episode, Lauren? Man of Science, Man of Faith. Why do you think it was named that? Well, because it's like Locke versus Jack. You also could argue that it was purely about Jack. Because he was a man of science becoming a man of faith. I don't I still don't think he's becoming a man of faith. I just think like he said, I'm going to save you. And he did, which was like one. Okay, you might say that's like a miracle or some shit. But I don't I still don't think that made him a man of faith. He's still very much a man of science. Oh, he's very much a man of science. But it was nice in that flashback story to see him sort of melt a little bit. You know, he was Jack Frost and now he's warm. No, that was like the end of Santa Claus three. Very bad. His heart grew three sizes that day. Okay, now we're just mixing metaphors. You've got to stop. <laughs> but it was nice to see him believe in miracles a little bit. Because like on the island, when Charlie was dead, he could have just been like, that sucks. But he kept trying. I think Jack's just stubborn and has like, he gets fixated on things. I don't think he was like, I have faith that he will live. I think he just was like, I punch him in the chest hard enough. He just wasn't going to give up. I I don't think it was like a faith thing. I think it was just like, he can't let go. Could you ever see Jack becoming a man of faith? Could I see it? Actually, no. But I feel like that's where the show is going to take him. And lastly, we're in season two now. Mm -hmm. What are you looking forward to now that you have a little context? I would love some romance. I would love some age appropriate romance. Uh, I want some others. I want to know what happened to the raft crew. And I want so much information about this hatch. Well, you will get all of that, maybe, and more or less. You'll get something. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? Great episode. Could this be your favorite episode of season two so far? I would say, yeah, maybe. We never really like said what like your favorite episode of season one was. Now I think about it. Oh, I have no idea. I'll never really answer that. But you forgot something. Did you find anybody particularly hot this episode? Me? No. I didn't. Let me tell you who gets it by default. And it's not who you think it is. It's a very underwhelming Jack. That is who I thought it was. 
Yeah. Well, I thought if you thought, I thought maybe you would think it'd be Saeed by default, just because like I love Saeed, but he wasn't in it enough. But yeah, it's Jack. There's really no reason. It's just kind of like, oh, he was there and he's an attractive person. It's not Flashback Jack. Flashback Jack, not hot. Just Island Jack. You're so you're so mean to him. Was it the wig? It's the wig. And lastly, who is next week about, Lauren? Hmm. Next week, I'm going to say Locke. Why? Because we're probably going to have a lot of action. Hatch action. Action. And Locke is in the hatch. And Locke was like, it was his, you know, mission to get down there. So I think we're going to get Locke. The episode title is Adrift. Adrift? No. We're getting someone on the fucking raft. We are getting raft action. Raft action. And and it's going to be about Sawyer. Do you feel that cold chill creeping up your spine, Lauren? No! No! Do you feel the devil's grip on you? No! It's a Michael episode. And she's back. You know what? I should have guessed that. You know why? Because when I went to play episode one Mm -hmm. today, when I went to play it, it was a picture of Susan on my Hulu. And I was like, I know this is not a Michael episode because, well, I know it's a Jack episode. So why the hell is Susan on my screen? But I forgot about it until now. Yeah, it was quite weird. So that means we're going to get to see what happens with the raft people. That's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. I have to say, this is actually the first time that I really have the urge to just watch the next episode right now. I mean, you can just take your notes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to. I like to watch it right before we record. Well, I'm glad that you're excited. And if our listeners are excited, what could they do? They can find us on TikTok at Lauren Gets Lost.pod on Instagram at Lauren Gets Lost Pod and on Twitter at Lauren Gets Lost. You can search for us on Facebook, Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. And you can join us next week for season two, episode two, Adrift. Until then, please give us five stars wherever you're listening. Leave us a review. We love to read them. Slide into our DMs and talk about how awesome I am. Donate blood, hashtag blood for Boone. We're still saying that. Even though he's dead. He's so dead. Hashtag blood for Sawyer. He got shot last episode. Uh, He's probably fine. Anyway, if you really enjoy our podcast, you can donate to us with the link in the episode description. Please tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neurosurgeon. That's not what Jack is. Is that what Jack is? Doesn't matter. Spinal surgeon. Same thing. Tell your spinal surgeon. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.